Praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today with you. It's excellent to know that God is doing a great work. We are actually live streaming around the world, and we have a couple of campuses that are joining us when it comes to the Radical Series, and we are actually uh, live streaming to a whole other church, and they are watching our sermons, and they are participating in this Radical Series, and so we do welcome uh, Calvary's Love and Yapank Assembly of God, and we're thankful that they're with us today, and we're thankful that they're with us for this series. We want to thank God for the baby dedication and all those that came to be with us for that. We praise the Lord for your heart to raise your children uh, in the ways of the Lord. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And uh, this week we actually uh, did a lot of driving. We, we drove 25 hours to Springfield, Missouri. Uh, last Saturday afternoon, uh, my wife and I and, and uh, two of my daughters, we drove uh, white-knuckled all the way down with a, uh, a bunch of uh, furniture in the back of a U-Haul. I was driving, and that's never a, a really great thing when Pastor Steve's on the road. Uh, but thank the Lord that everyone got there safe and got back safe this week as well. We pray for Janine, and, and this sermon is dedicated to my daughter Janine because she is living out what I'm going to be preaching about uh, this morning. And so Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, and Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Now, for the last several weeks, we've been talking about being radical, and we've been talking about radical abandonment, that Jesus says, come and follow me, that anyone who wants to be his disciple must pick up their cross, deny himself, and come follow him. And so that word, come follow me, that phrase has revolutionized, changed the, the whole world because people have taken the challenge and followed Jesus wherever Jesus wanted them to go. And as a result of that, God has done great things through people's lives. And then two weeks ago, we talked about radical grace, that, that grace, when it comes into our lives, it changes us. Grace is God giving us what we need, when we need it, even though we don't deserve it. And every one of us in this room... If we're believers or not believers, we are the benefactors and the recipients of God's grace in our life. You woke up this morning because God is gracious to you. Come on, somebody say amen. You, eat, you ate this morning because God was gracious to you. Everything about life is God pouring out his grace upon us. Somebody say amen. And if we have believers, then we really know what the loving grace of God is in our life. And then last week, Pastor Henry talked about radical dependence. Today, I want to talk to you about radical realization. That there's something every one of us need to recognize. And that is that God has touched us by his grace so that we might fulfill his command to go into all the world and pour out his spirit into all the world and that we are to make disciples of all nations and fill the earth with the glory of God. You see, from the very beginning, God was pouring out his grace upon his people. You think about Adam and Eve, and in the garden, the Bible says that God created Adam and Eve in his image, and God is a triune being, and we are triune beings, and the Bible tells us that we have a spirit, a soul, and a body, and that we were created in the very image of God, and God poured out grace upon Adam and Eve. He walked with Adam and Eve in the coolness of the night, and God just blessed Adam and Eve. And then he said to Adam and Eve, now I want you to go out and be fruitful and multiply. And when we think about fruitfulness and multiplying, we think about having babies. But you know what? It goes far beyond that. Yes, they were commanded to go out and be fruitful and to multiply and have generation after generation. But God wasn't only talking about having babies. He was talking about letting people understand and see the glory of God in their lives as well. Be fruitful and multiply means that God wanted the earth to be filled with his glory as it says in numbers chapter 14 as surely as the lord lives the whole earth will be filled with the glory of god 
So he wanted people to know him, and then he wanted people to train their children to know him, and so on, and so on, and so on. That's what discipleship is all about. It's showing people what it means to love God. It's showing people what it means to have the grace of God in their lives. And today, we saw a baby dedication where parents came to say, I want my children and their children, and so on, and so on, to know the glory of God in their life. So the commandment is to fill the earth with the glory of God. So we experience the grace of God in our life, and then we give that grace to somebody else by preaching the good news to them so that they, in turn, can experience the grace of God in their life so that they can see the glory of God so that the earth, all of the earth, would be filled with his wonderful, majestic glory and so that it is this an incredible understanding of multiplication so that we multiply the glory of God on the face of this earth. What is the glory of God? It's the knowledge of God. What's the glory of God? It's the very presence of God. It's the majesty of God. It's the kingdom of God. That's why the Bible says Jesus went from town to town, and what did he do? He preached about the kingdom of God. He preached about the reign of God, the glory of God, the power of God. So when we're talking about the glory of God, we're talking about all of who God is and all of what God does. When we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about God creating the heavens and the earth, looking at all of those things and then doing a work in our life and that it is the grace of God and the glory of God that captivates our soul. And what happens when it captivates our soul? We want to tell somebody else about it. You see, the truth is, when, when I gave my heart to Jesus, and God came into my life, I wanted to tell everybody about it. I was 19 years old, 31 years ago, I came and gave my life to Jesus. And you know, when Jesus comes into your life, when you're touched with his grace in your life, when you recognize that you're a sinner, when you recognize that you don't have it all together, that you're pretty much undone and a mess. And when God comes in and cleans up the mess in your life, when God sets you free from, from bitterness or anger or depression or anxiety, when God writes your name in heaven, when God gives you a peace that passes all understanding and a joy that goes deep in your soul so that whatever you go through in your life, you know that God is with you. You can't help but to tell somebody else about it. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. I was 19 years old and God came in my life and he gave me such per per perfect peace in my life and purpose in my life that I wanted to share it. So I was in college and everywhere I went I shared about Jesus. I was in a secular college, Nassau Community College. And when I had a public speaking class, I'd talk about the Lord. You know, in fact, there, were, there was a couple of ladies in the back, and they'd always go, come on, preach it, preach it, pastor. Because everywhere I wanted, went, I wanted to tell people about it. I still, everywhere I go, I want people to know about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has been so good in my life. And friend, if you know the goodness of God, if you know the goodness of Jesus in your life, then you can't help but to say it to somebody else. You can't help to tell somebody else about the goodness of God. Friend, if you never share your faith, I want to I really question whether or not you really know Jesus. Because when you taste and see how good he is, you want to tell everyone about him. Come on. So the truth is that there's a lot of people who are called, but few really understand what the calling really is. You see, if we're going to really be radical, and we're really going to be radical follow, followers of Jesus, and we're really going to believe every word that's found in the Scriptures, if we really believe that the Bible is true, that every word in the Bible is true, then two things will happen. Number one, the first thing is we will have a supernatural understanding we'll realize the lostness of mankind. You see, when, when you are touched with the grace of God and you believe that every word that's found in the Bible is true, then you will be stricken with a realization of the lostness of mankind. And as a result of that, you will be willing to sacrifice whatever you have to sacrifice to make sure that more people come into the kingdom of God. There will be a sacrificial obedience to the command of Christ to go into all the world and preach the gospel when you have been touched with the grace of God and you recognize that you have been commissioned to fill the earth with the glory of God. That's where Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 comes in. 
The Bible says Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. Notice a couple of key words there, all. He went everywhere. He didn't just go to the safe places. He didn't just go to the nice places. He went into the ghetto. He went into the difficult places. In fact, the Bible tells us that he went into Samaria. And Samaria was a very tough place. The Bible says that he was preaching the gospel and they rejected him. And two of his disciples said, let's call down lightning from heaven and barbecue these people. And yet Jesus, he had a compassion. He had a compassion for people that drove him to go to the difficult places. And the Bible says he went to every town, every village, teaching and preaching the good news and healing every sickness and disease. God wants to heal every sickness and every disease. Notice Jesus felt their suffering. And the truth is, Jesus wants us to feel the sufferings of others. Notice what it says. It says, and Jesus had compassion on them. It says, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was willing to feel what they felt. The definition of compassion is to come alongside of someone else and get into their shoes. Feel what they feel. And thank God that I have a Savior. I have a God that was willing to step off his throne and come to this earth and walk in my shoes, in your shoes. The Bible says he was tempted in every way like we are tempted, yet he was without sin. We have a high priest that's been touched with the feelings of our infirmity. He understands what it's like to have anxiety in your life. He understands what it's like to be depressed. He understands what it's like to be tempted with 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 sin in your life and yet the Bible says he was without sin why because he was perfect in all his ways and yet he wanted to feel what you feel and the Bible says he was so moved with compassion that compassion turned into action friend I want you to know compassion must always turn into holy action it's not compassion it may be sympathy but it's not compassion until it's turned into action and the reality was that Jesus saw sinners the Bible says he looked and he saw people that were harassed without a shepherd. He saw sinners. He was holy and completely perfect. And it's easy to see sinners. It's easy to judge them for the things that they do and, and the places they're at in their life. And the truth is, for some of us, for many of us, it's easy to pass judgment on someone else and, instead of helping them. Well, you know, they're in that situation because they're lazy. They're in that situation because they're sinners. They're in that situation because they don't want to listen to anyone else. Leave them there. You see, the danger is that we can become so hard-hearted as Christians that we cannot feel the pain of other people. We cannot get into their shoes because we push them off, because we, we feel like it's justifiable that they're suffering the way that they suffer. In fact, I want to tell you that Christianity is the only belief system in which God comes down. God comes down to a sinful humanity, and he reaches down his holy hand, and he picks sinful humanity out of their mess, and he puts them on a rock to stay. That Christianity is the only religion, the only belief system where God reaches down man is always trying to reach up to God man is always trying to be good but God the good God the mighty God the merciful and gracious God he reached down to me and he pulled me out of the miry pit and he put my feet on a rock to stay that's my God that's my Savior who feels the pain and suffering of my life even though it was self-inflicted God still loves me but we can become hard-hearted we can isolate ourselves from the pain. We can isolate ourselves from the need by justifiably saying, they deserve that. Friend, we deserve, we still de deserve the things that we get in our life, but it's because of the grace of God, unmerited favor, God giving us what we need when we need it, even though we don't deserve it. But the question is, how do we feel other people's suffering? It's not natural to go the second mile. It's, it's not natural to want to suffer with someone else. We want to run from suffering and pain. It's not natural to put ourselves in harm's way for someone else. It's not convenient to go where the need is. You know, a couple of years ago, we went to Romania. And uh, we took a trip to Romania because there was uh, a missionary that was there 
And the reason why she actually went to Romania was because she was a nurse. And she went on a mission trip, a short-term mission trip. And when she got there, she realized that there was lots of little babies that were abandoned by their mothers. You see, there are thousands of teenagers that have give birth to children. And after they give birth to their children, they run from the hospital, never to be seen again. And, and so this young lady was walking through the corridors of a hospital one day, and she asked, what's in that room there? And the nurse said, well, those are the babies that no one wants. And there were countless little babies in that room. They couldn't even lift their head because nobody had the time to pick them up and love them and, and feel their pain and minister to them. And so Reagan went to Romania and became a missionary. She's still there in Romania. And she had a vision to open up a home for girls where these young girls, 13, 15, 18 years old, when they had their baby, they had hope to stay with their baby because they have now a home and a place where somebody loves them and teaches them a trade. And so we went there with 34 different people from our church. And one young lady, Gabrielle, went with us on that trip. And when she went there, she was so stricken with the need. And she felt compassion in her heart for these young ladies. She herself was barely a teenager coming out of being a teenager, and she herself said, I'm going to go back there one day, and I'm going to help. And so Gabrielle, who now is my assistant, went to Romania and spent a year in Romania because she was willing to feel. She was willing to get out of her comfort zone. Friend, you're never going to be able to feel the pain of other people until you get out of your comfort zone, until you ask God, God, break me out of my comfort zone. And so she went, and she spent one year there, and she actually started a chain reaction of young people who want to serve for a year or two on the mission field. One of them is my daughter, Janine, who, when she was 14 years old, I took Janine to Mexico, to Pueblo, Mexico, a very poor area in Mexico. And we worked alongside of a ministry called Healthcare Ministries, in which they recruit doctors and nurses and ophthalmologists and dentists and we went there and we served the people, over uh, 1,500 to 2,000 people. We served them by helping them medically, giving them uh, eyeglasses and helping them with medication and doing some, uh, some oral surgery and all kinds of things. It was actually a makeshift, uh, makeshift shift, uh, clinic in, in, in the hospital and, and, or in the church. And, and, uh, and Janine was there and she saw this little girl, Soul. She was just a, a young little girl and Soul had a hole in her heart. And Janine began to pray for Saul that the Lord would heal her. And Janine said, one day I'm going to go back to Mexico. One day I'm going to go back to the, uh, places around the world. I'm going to become a nurse and I'm going to do this uh, for the glory of God. And so Janine went through high school. She said, I'm going to be a missionary one day as a nurse and I'm going to go around the world to take care of people. Then she went through college and, and she, 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 went right, she buzzed right through college and she said, you know, I'm still going to do this. And then two years after that, here we are driving down to Springfield, and Janine now is a nurse, and she is a missionary going around the world. Why? Because she was willing to get out of her comfort zone. She was willing to feel the pain of other people and to be used by the Lord. And friend, I want you to know that God still is looking for people that are willing to use their talents, their abilities, use their way in which they can glorify God to bring glory and honor and bring the gospel to other people. I want to encourage you to get involved Go on a missions trip. I want you to watch this video for a moment, and then I want you to hear the stories of people as they were willing to get out of their comfort zone and go and be used by the Lord.
that sees at the end of time and love will protect love always hopes and love still believes when you don't love is the arms that are holding you love never fails That video makes me tear up every time um, because it just reminds me of what God did to get us to Romania again and what he did while we were there. Um, just to let you guys know, it was a really big answer to prayer for me personally to be able to go back to Romania because of my heart being there, although it was hard because I didn't get to go home. So, and I didn't get to see my friends and the girls and, and the babies and, and everything. But um, God just solidified in my heart um, just Romania as a country and how much they need Jesus. Um, actually, something that I didn't say in the, fir the first and second service is that Romania itself, the Pentecostal movement in Romania is growing at a very rapid rate, more than any other place in uh, Europe. And when I was there, I really felt like God was speaking to me that they are going to be a beacon of light to Europe. Um, so for us to be able to partner with them is an answer to prayer for me, but I also think that it's worldwide an answer to prayer because of the fact that they are going to be a light to Europe. So let me just tell you a couple of things that we did while we were there. Um, we worked with Convoy of Hope Europe to um, partner, partner with a community uh, in Romania, it's a small village um, right outside of one of the major cities there, and it's a very poor community. Um, the children, very few of them go to school. There's a very small schoolhouse. You would have seen it in the video. Um, and a lot of them just don't. They don't think it's important. They don't see the need for it. So the poverty level there is very high. Um, one of the things that we did, besides servant evangelism and going into people's homes and fixing things up and just showing the love of God that way, we actually helped uh, work on a social center that they're building on church property to, um, that will house an after-school program, uh, showers for the village because they don't have running water, and um, just space for teams to come in so that they can help the community on an ongoing basis. So it was a really big blessing to be there um, and partner with that church that really has a, a, a heart for that community, and you could see that it's growing. Um, so I just want to say thank you for supporting this, this vision for missions um, and sharing this heart that we have for Romania. And now I'm going to ask Gladys and Paul if they would just say a few words about what, um, what we did and how it affected them. Okay, that was a surprise. <laughs> 
Okay, my name is Gladys, and um, what can I say about this Romania mission trip? Awesome. It's a blessing. It was my first time in a mission trip, and the experience I had it is that if you work, if you follow Jesus, you gotta do mission trip. You gotta go uh, and pour out, you know, what Jesus gave to you, walking by grace, just go and pour out. You don't even need to speak the language. Uh, it's like with the gestures, with the smiling, with, um, it's just the love of Jesus is just pour out everywhere and um, just do it. Don't be afraid. And uh, if God puts in your heart that you have to go in anywhere, can be here too, in another state or another city or uh, in another country, whatever, just do it. Because God's in charge, God's in control, and we are here to serve his kingdom. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'd just like to make two quick points. Um, I would highly recommend uh, everyone going on a mission trip. Uh, I think what happened when you go on a trip is you realize that you we have a very American view of, of the gospel. And uh, we realize when you go to another culture how bound we are to our own culture. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But when you meet people from, uh, and especially Christians and missionaries from other parts of the country, or sorry, the world rather, you realize that there's a different perspective on, on faith, uh, a different manifestation of faith. And not only does it challenge you to you know, come out of your, your own comfort zone, but it, it enlarges your view of, of God in the sense that what he can do in your life. So in a sense, you, you leave almost feeling guilty in that you get more out of it than you put into it. That's how I feel. I feel that I've reaped much more than I've sowed and that I come back and i am you know, got ten times more than what I, I, I input. And I just want to leave with, with one last point is... Uh, one of the misconceptions that the enemy throws at us is that you can't change the world. You're one person, you're one church. The problems of the world are, are, are too daunting, and you can't change the world. When you go on these trips and you see a, a small village and a small community transform, well, you really have rocked their world. So when you see somebody who didn't have you know, water and amenities and somebody who, whose life is upside down and, and now is going the right way, not only in this world, but for all of eternity, that's, you know, you really see that that's a complete misconception. You can change the world. When, when, you, when you minister the love of God, you change someone's world upside down and your family's world upside down, not only for, for here, but for all of eternity. So i uh, just leave you with that, and thank you very much. I can definitely say that we've all been touched in a special way by Romania, um, and it's always my intention to bring people there so that they catch the bug. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we will be going um, on, a, on an ongoing basis. So um, if God would lay it on your heart, please pray um, that he would make a way for you to be a part of a missions trip, even if it's not to Romania, even if it's Jamaica or a different part of the world. Thanks. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a big hand. Amen. As Pastor Josh comes, and uh, just uh, we prepare our hearts to respond to what God is saying to us today, I want to read to you one last scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. It's the reality of the harvest. It's the eternal reality of what Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. You see, if the Bible is true, look at me, if the Bible is true, 
And if you believe that the Bible is God's infallible word in every single scripture, every passage is inspired by God, then number one, we have a radical message. That we have a message that proclaims, number one, that Jesus is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but, but through me. The book of Acts says that there is no other name by which a man or woman can be saved but through the name of Jesus and through Jesus and Jesus alone. So we have a radical message. And that's where most people close us out. That's where most people don't want to hear it. Because here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if we accept him, then we pass from judgment into eternal life. But if we deny him and we refuse to accept the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, then we will spend a Christless eternity in hell. Revelation says, and I saw those whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life cast into the lake of fire through all eternity. See, that's a radical message. But if we really believe that, if we believe that Jesus is the only way, and we believe that eternal life is for those who have put their trust in Christ and Christ alone, and, and if those who don't trust in Christ and Christ alone, if they reject the gospel, then they will spend eternity in the lake of fire. Wow. You say, Pastor, that's too hard for me. That's the radical message of the gospel. And friends, we try to soften it up. So many of us, we, we don't want to hear the message of hell. But the scriptures is filled with places that talk about hell. You say, why, why is there a hell? And why would a loving God ever send anyone to hell? Friends, God doesn't send anyone to hell. God sent his son as the only solution to our sin problem. If you got bit by a snake and I had the serum in my hand and I said, here it is, here is the solution. Would you turn away? You would say, please, give me the solution. When we sin against the perfect God, we need a perfect payment. He provided that payment in his son, Jesus Christ. That's a radical, radical, radical message. It's so radical that if you don't believe in Jesus, if you're a Muslim and you don't believe in Jesus, you will spend eternity in hell. If you're a Jewish person and you don't believe in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, if you're a Protestant, if you're a Catholic, if you're an atheist, if you don't believe in Jesus, that he's the solution, you will spend a Christless eternity in hell. That's a radical message. And friend, it calls for people who believe, who truly believe, because number two, if it's a radical message, then we have a radical mission. That we are on a radical mission. And that mission is to go everywhere to tell everyone about the love of, of Christ. That, that it doesn't matter who they are. That they, they need the answer. That your neighbor who's a nice person, who waves to you and, and, and helps you to, to, to remove snow in the wintertime, if he doesn't know Jesus as his Savior, he's going to go to hell. That this message calls us on a mission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That Jesus said, go into all the world, not the easy places, not, not the nicest places, but the places where people need to hear about Jesus. Because here's the truth. The truth is we have a radical message and we're on a radical mission, but there's a radical minority of people who really take up the call of God and, and fulfill what God is calling them to do. See, Jesus said, Pray to the Lord of the harvest, for the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So, so what do you do about it? What do we do about it? Do we sit in our padded seats and, 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 and wait for somebody else to do it? Or do we truly believe with all of our heart that we have the message? That, that we truly believe that if Jesus comes into somebody's life, he will set them free from the chains that bind them. That Jesus will restore marriages. That Jesus will restore sanity to people. That Jesus will bring eternal life to people. See, we're of the radical minority. Why? Because only 10% of Christians who claim that Jesus is the only way. Only, listen to me, look at me. Only 10% of Christians ever share their faith with other people. 
But if you really believe that Jesus is the answer, then you can't help but to tell somebody else about Jesus and what he can do in their life. Because you see, a radical message, a radical mission creates a hunger in our heart, a compassion in our heart to be a part of the radical majority, not ma radical minority. Because we have a radical mandate. And a mandate is not a suggestion. God doesn't have a plan B. Listen to me, look at me. God doesn't have a plan B. He only has a plan A. He sent his son into the world so that we might have eternal life. And so that becomes a mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But here, here's the wonderful thing. Look at me. Here's the wonderful thing. God doesn't leave us alone to do the work. Because God has given us a radical mentor. His name is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. That you don't have to do it by yourself. But God, the Holy Spirit, can come and touch your life and change you. So where do you start? You say, God, I know I should do this, but I don't. I know I should open my mouth, but I don't. God, there are 6.7 billion people on the face of this earth and four point. 2 billion people have never heard the name and Paul says how will they hear unless somebody tells them and how will someone tell them unless somebody's sent so where do we start we start with prayer because Jesus said the harvest is plentiful the laborers are few pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers here's what happens when we start to pray when we start to pray, oh God, Father, what's the solution? God, there must be a solution to the hunger problem in this world. There must be a solution to the drug epidemic in this world. There must be a solution to the people that are lost and, and dying and confused and broken. Lord, there's got to be a solution. When we start to pray like that, God begins to touch our heart and we become part of the solution. Like my good friend John Steigerwall who was a pastor in a very comfortable church on Long Island, Lamb's Chapel. He went to go on a vacation to Jamaica. And John was thinking he was going to go to Jamaica and they were just going to come and bring him some jerk chicken and soon come and he was going to be really happy as he was just going to hang out in Jamaica for a week and catch some rays and have a good time. And he's driving down the road and he sees this young lady who's half naked. She's blown out of her mind on drugs. And John begins to pray. And John's prayer is, God, who's going to be the solution to this young lady's problem? Who's going to help this young lady get off of drugs? Who's going to help this young lady get her life together? And God spoke to John and said, you're going to do it. And John becomes a part of the solution as he gets on a plane with his family. And he moves to Kingston, Jamaica. And he lives there, a white boy in Jamaica. Listen, I went to go visit him a couple of years later. And he's like, hey, man, how are you, man? I said, John. But he, he just, he felt the people. He loved the people. He became like the people. And he ministered there. And through John's love and compassion, he was able to build a teen challenge center, drug rehabilitation center, three-story drug rehabilitation center and today we're going back there in just a couple of weeks and today they're building a big farm where they're teaching young men and women how to get off of drugs and they give them heavy doses listen to me they don't give them methadone they don't give them all kinds of drugs they give them a heavy dose of Jesus that's all a Jesus a Jesus Jesus heavy dose of Jesus and, and I love going there every year once a year I go to Jamaica and I do leadership training for all the leaders and one of the, the best parts of my whole day is when I go into the hallway and they have pictures of these guys on the wall. And these guys, they're all, they have a picture of them when they come into the program and they've got, they've got long straggly hair and they're all knotted and they got bloodshot eyes and they look sick and they look like they're going to die. And, and you look and their faces drawn in and they've got circles in their eyes and and they look like they're just hanging on for dear life. And then a year and a half later, they have another picture right beside that picture of a guy, a young lady, that hair is nice and 
full face and there's a glow in their eyes and they're not bloodshot anymore but they're clear white and they, they, they look like they, they love God and they love the world and, and God's given them another chance to live life the way God wanted them to live and I say there is a God, hallelujah. If people don't believe in a God, they need to look at that picture and know that they don't need methadone. What they need is a heavy dose of Jesus. And these guys come into the program, they're broken, they are broken. They know that if God doesn't intervene in their life, they're about to die. They have done the imaginable. And yet, when Jesus comes into their life, he changes them. Just like the director of the program, Anthony Richards, who was a police officer who got, who got hooked on drugs. And as a result of that, they kicked him off the force and he became a full-blown drug addict. He killed a man. In fact, one time when I first went to Jamaica, we were having dinner together. He was sitting at my table and he was telling me the story about how he killed a man. And I got up and said, okay, I think I'm going to sit at this table over here. <laughs> and yet today, Anthony Richards is the director of this program and he's helping hundreds, thousands of people because that's what Jesus does when he gets hold of a person's life. So full circle, we've been touched with the radical grace of God so we might spread the radical glory of God to this earth. Where do we start? We start with saying, God, use me. God, touch me. I want you all to stand to your feet right now. What if God is completely 100% true? What if his word is completely 100% accurate and friend then we have a holy mandate from God to be his hands and his feet I want you to bow your heads right now I want to pray for you maybe you're here today and you say Pastor Steve I'm not certain that if I died today I'd go to heaven and I need to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins to come into my life Pastor Steve I'm not certain that if I died today I'd go to heaven and, and, and I want Jesus to give me that peace in my heart I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Friend, the Bible says there is no other name in heaven and earth that a man should be saved but through the name of Jesus and Jesus alone. And so you say, Pastor, pray for me today. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand right now and say, time is short. Friend, you don't know. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Only today is guaranteed to you. Right now, this very moment, you say, Pastor, pray for me. Anybody in this room, you say, pray for me. I want Jesus to be the Savior of my life. Yes, I see that hand in the back. Somebody else, you say, I want Jesus to come into my life and be my Savior. Anybody else right now, God bless you. God bless you. Amen. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I'm going to ask you to look at your neighbor and say, Hey, if you died today, are you sure that you'd go to heaven? If they say, no, I'm not sure, then I want you to take them by the hand. And I want you to get out of your seat. And I want you to come right up here. You say, Pastor, why do you do this? Friend, why wouldn't I do this? Why wouldn't I give people an opportunity to give their life to Jesus? Just like I did when I was 19 years old. So I want you to look at your neighbor and say, hey, are you sure? And if they say, I'm not sure, then I want you to grab them by the hand and say, come on, let's go and let's pray. And let's give our life to Jesus together. Come on, let's do that right now. And if you raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand, why don't you just come forward right now and say, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. Come on. Come on. Quickly. Because I want to give my life to Jesus today. I'm surrendering to God today. Man, this is awesome. This is awesome. You're here today. You say, Pastor Steve, I'm a Christian. But there are times when I get so busy. There are times when I get so distracted that I lose my focus on the loss. I lose my focus on compassion. And I want, you know, here's what I want from God today. I want God to soften my heart for the lost. I want God to soften my heart for the desperate and the needy. I want God to use me. You see, you start with prayer. You say, God, you use me, God. Soften my heart. If that's you today, I want you to get out of your seat and meet me right here and say, God, I want, I want to be used by God. I want to be used by God. I want God to use me. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Some young people are coming today because you know what? Let me tell you something. There are colleges filled with young people that have no clue. They don't know how to get to God. They have no clue what's right, what's wrong. The Bible says there is a generation that is arising that doesn't know God. 
And friend, God is the only answer to the, to, the, to the problems of this world. And he's looking for someone to become the solution. He's looking for someone to say, I want to be the solution. Come on. I want you to get out of your seat today and come and, and say, God, use me today. In a moment, we're going to turn this service into a prayer meeting. In a moment, I'm going to ask all of you to get out of your seat. Every one of you that are here today and say, you know what? I want God. I want God to do a work in my life. I want God to work through me. I want God to work through me. There are young, young people in this world, man. They are so lost. And they need people that are radically in love with Jesus. I want to be radically in love with Jesus. But I want to pray today for those who responded, who came forward today. So I want you, everybody to raise your hand right now. And I want you to pray this prayer with me real quick. Lord Jesus, thank you that you radically love me. That you died on the cross for my sins. Lord, I don't understand it all. But I do know this. Two plus two is four. And you are the solution to man's problem. I can't come up with my own solution. I can't come up with my own answer. God, you supplied the answer through your son, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for being so radically in love with me. Make me a radical lover of God. And use me, Lord, for your kingdom and for your sake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You came forward today to give your life to Jesus. If you came forward to give your life to Jesus, I want you just to raise your hand for a moment because we have something we want to give you. If you came forward, I want, want you to raise your hand because I want to give you a gift. This is a, a, a little pamphlet called Steps to Peace with God. And I want to give you this as a gift. Amen? I want you to read this. If maybe you didn't come forward to give your life to the Lord, we still want to give you this gift. So I, I want, you know what? Give everyone that's at this altar one of these gift cards. You know why? Because I want to tell you something. If you read the steps to peace with God, it'll help you to share your faith with other people. It'll help you to be used for the kingdom of God. Now let me ask you a question as we close today. Anybody in this room, do you have somebody that you know in your life that needs Jesus? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. All right, I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come up here and bring that name with you. And I want you to take the next five minutes to pray for that person. Come on, everybody, get out of your seat and come up here and say, I want you to pray for that person. Get out of your seat and pray for that person. You see, the Bible says that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It does great work when we pray. So we're going to pray together. We're going to turn this place into a prayer meeting right now. Come on, pull in. Come on, gather together, pull in. And we're just going to pray for our loved ones. We're going to pray for those people that God breaks the chains over their life. That God breaks the chains of drugs and addiction, of, of suicide, of whatever. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen? Come on, let's begin to pray right now. Hallelujah, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There is power, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There is great power, Lord God. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power
Thank you. 